This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. 2020, what a year has it been? It has shown the most dominant species on this earth that we are not invincible. There's someone quite powerful, crazy and unpredictable that we all need to watch out for. It has made the word virus the most familiar and dreaded word. Viruses are a type of parasite. I'm Anusha Beer, an invertebrate biologist, and I have always been fascinated by these minuscule, at times microscopic creatures that are capable of performing some of the craziest phenomena in the universe. Not only can some evolve quicker than medical science can keep up with, as in the case of the novel coronavirus, they are capable of a lot more. Some of these phenomena are nothing less than science fiction. In this series, I have picked some of the unbelievable wonders from the world of hosts and parasites to share with my listeners, focusing mainly on the parasitic insects, who I'm calling wild hitchhikers. Join me as we enter a world of mind-boggling manipulation and trickery. From worms to whales, none are immune to deceit by their tiny residents, the dangerous wild hitchhikers. Stay tuned to find out more about these wild hitchhikers. final episode, I'm going to take you back to my childhood favourite, Tom and Jerry, a cartoon show where a brave little mouse, Jerry, teaches the cat, Tom, a lesson. The cat doesn't give up either. It keeps coming back with more cunning ways each time to catch the mouse. This in itself sounds a bit like the host parasite co-evolutionary arms race. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. The brave little mouse, Jerry, reminds me somewhat of a parasitized mouse that seeks out cat, its predator. Now you'll ask, what's wrong with being brave? Well, bravery is a good thing. But have you ever heard the phrase Fools rush in where angels fear to trade? A mouse chasing a cat in the real world is a fool. For he is sure to be eaten. This is fatal attraction. The culprit is a parasite called Toxoplasma gondii. It's so minuscule that it's invisible to the naked eye. The mouse is a poor victim who gets infected by this parasite by accidentally gobbling it up with the soil. By doing so, 
he has signed off his death warrant. He gets attracted to its biggest enemy, a cat. He is drawn to the cat's smell like a magnet. And when he does approach the cat, guess what happens? A swipe. And that's the end of the mouse. Who becomes a sumptuous meal of the cat. I think the mouse in the story, Mouse in the Council, who agreed to bell the cat to alert others of approaching danger, may have been parasitized by Toxoplasma gondii. This parasite is a mind-controlling parasite. So it manipulates the mouse's brain to fancy cats. So if your kitty catches a mouse, give her the benefit of the doubt that the mouse came to her instead. And she simply had no choice. by far the most controversial parasite of all. Certainly in my opinion. That's because there is a bit of a debate about how the parasite can affect humans. Humans can contract this parasite if they are immunocompromised or pregnant when the immunity is low. This is why pregnant women are advised not to empty kitty litter. It's perhaps also a good idea to at least wear your gloves if pottering in the garden while pregnant. And also thoroughly wash your hands afterwards. Immunocompromised people such as AIDS patients can get very sick from this disease. The parasite also affects fetal development. But whether it can cause mental disorders like schizophrenia is still debated. I have even heard that some insurance companies were considering increasing the premium on car insurance of those affected by this parasite. Thanks to studies that have found a correlation between infection and decreased ability to drive. Studies have also found that this parasite may affect people's abilities to think straight and make sensible decisions. Well, all I'll say is, while correlative studies are very informative, if correct statistical tools are used, in some cases you can argue that correlation does not always imply causation.
another route of infection to humans is through raw or uncooked meat. As this is such a generalist parasite, it can survive on almost anything that breeds, even plants. The eggs can remain on soil or surface for months and can withstand 40 degree heat as well as sub-zero temperatures. So uh, the chances of encountering this parasite is incredibly high. Not only land animals, these parasites can also infect marine animals such as dolphins and seals and are a major threat to endangered animals. Several of our native species can contract this parasite such as kea, kaka, sea lion and Maui's dolphin. another seductive parasite. This one is a parasitic fungus called Entomophthora. Entomo means insect, thora means destroyer and true to its name this fungus destroys its host but that's not all it does. It also uses it as a seductress to attract other individuals, specifically males, to destroy thumb toe. This fungus is expected to act in similar ways as the zombie ant fungus. A fly accidentally acquires its spores which then penetrate into the fly's body. There, the fungus grows up to the fly's brain and manipulates it to walk and perch up to a substrate, like a window, where it can fix the fly in a position where its spores are most accessible. Then, it gobbles up its guts and the fly eventually dies. Then small cracks appear in the fly's remains and spores sprout out of it. Being up high, the spores have more chances of getting blown in the wind and disperse far and wide, infecting as many hosts as possible. The share of spores begins approximately three hours 
after the unfortunate fly's ultimate demise. It is expected that death occurs the day after the fly contracts the infection. Not only this, if it lands on a female, it makes the abdomen of the female fly swell up before fixing it to a substrate and killing it. The swollen belly of the fly resembles that of a fly full of eggs. The swollen abdomen is irresistible to a male fly. This is because if he mates her now, given the fly is full of eggs, he has higher chances of passing on his genes to the next generation. It's not only the swollen tummy that seduces a male, and scientists believe that something else is at play as well. Not entirely sure what it is, they think it is probable that the smell given out by the dead fly also. But this theory is not yet confirmed. Finally, I would like to conclude this podcast series by telling you a little bit about something called a reservoir host. Using Toxoplasma as an example, which is a highly generalist parasite and uses a wide range of hosts as a reservoir to remain in the population until it finds a vulnerable target. These reservoir hosts are those who themselves may not show symptoms or may not be bothered by the parasite too much, but provide a means for the parasite to remain in the population, as their body doesn't destroy the parasite either. A study in an animal zoo in Australia found that this is exactly what was happening there, where Toxoplasma was using various host species as reservoir. This could happen with parasites that are easily passed on from person to person. Now remember, At the start of the podcast, I mentioned 
that although viruses are technically excluded when a parasitologist uses the word parasites. However, there are many similarities in how a virus and an insect parasite works. And I did warn that I'm bringing them all under one roof. You may have guessed where I'm going with this. But before I talk about this concept any further, I want to tell the story behind the making of this podcast. The idea to develop a podcast on parasites came to me a few years ago when I was doing a lot of science communication on parasites. Seeing how little people knew about these fascinating creatures, how much misinformation was out there and how it captures so much interest wherever I speak about them. I thought a podcast on some hand-picked parasites and some interesting concepts would be a good start. But before we could air the podcast, we went into the longest lockdown in our history. And COVID-19 changed the world in many ways. It allowed us to appreciate things we had taken for granted, such as freedom of movement. But it also affected many in negative ways. In fact, today is 20th of August 2021 and I'm recording this final episode on my home computer. Today is also day three of another nationwide lockdown triggered by community outbreak of Delta variant, a newly mutated strain of COVID-19. Now imagine if the virus remained in our population, and like the zombies in the movie Zombieland, forced us to flee, run away, and hide in remote locations, hoping nobody would find us for eternity. Okay, that is a bit dramatic, but so is COVID-19. Now, there are reports from overseas that children are being infected by it as well. So far, the Pfizer vaccine used in New Zealand is only allowed for children aged 12 and older. We don't know if it's safer for younger children. A virus that mutates faster than medical science can keep up with and is extremely unpredictable. Our only defense against such a virus is to stamp it out so it has no chance of survival. Take away the option of reservoir hosts. The only defense is getting immunized. I'm shocked by how many educated bright people are dead against immunizing simply because this vaccine works at a genetic level. I have to emphasize as a geneticist that this is not genetic engineering or modification. What a virus or a parasite does to our body is. As we have seen throughout this podcast, 
the vaccine only tells your body to go attack the virus before it attacks us. Remember the core evolutionary arms race. Getting immunized is a way to win this arms race and end it. With new cases emerging in children, if not for yourself, do it for them. Your nieces, nephews, kids, grandkids, whoever is dear to you. I know genetics and DNA is a scary concept that is difficult to wrap your head around. But just remember, our only defense against many deadly diseases like COVID is immunization. Of course, we cannot force people. All we can do is educate and hope through this podcast series, I have reached out to some of you who will be looking at booking their jabs right now. I hope you have enjoyed the podcasts in this series. You've been listening to Wild Hitchhikers. You'll find podcasts of this series online at oar.org.nz. And if you would like to find out more about today's show or get in touch, check out the Wild Hitchhikers blogspot page at the Gaias Girl, T-H-E-G-A-I-A-S-G-A-L dot blogspot.com. I hope to catch you next week with more weird and wonderful wild hitchhikers. Adios. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.